What's going on, everybody? Okay, this intro is going to be kind of long. I think it is. But we'll see. So if you don't want to hear about this, just skip till you hear the music. I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to hear it. But it's because I want to talk about three things in this intro. There's going to be nothing related to me. Um, two of them will be very fast. It's one of them that I know is going to take me a while. So let's get away with the two fast ones first. One, Bring Me the Horizon has officially announced their 2023 North American headlining tour. Can't wait for that. I'm unfortunately not going to be here once they come to Southern California because I'm going to be up north at Aftershock, so I'll be able to catch them there. But if you're interested in this, Bring Me the Horizon North American Tour. Tickets go on sale Friday, by the way. If you're in. I believe it's going to go from September to October. It's going to be Bring Me the Horizon, Knock Loose, Grave Sun, and Silent Brain. And it's going to go from September 22nd in Louisville all the way to October 29th in. Las Vegas. Gonna be nuts. I'll be at the Aftershock Festival on October 9th. They're gonna be in LA on October the 6th. And did you guys know that the forum is no longer called the forum? It's called the Kia Forum now? I didn't know that. Did not know that until today. Oh, it's not. It's not Graveson. It's Grandson. Sorry. Sorry, Grandson Ben. It's, it's not silent brain, it's stick brain. Because I was reading it on the poster and they have it in these crazy fonts. I apologize. Okay, number two. Dude, the Maverick. No, no, no. The Bucks and the Suns got the dog shit kicked out of them yesterday. So now they're out. They're out. So the Celtics beat the Bucks 109 to 81, and then the Mavericks beat the Suns 123 to 90. Oh my god, they, both these teams got the dog shit beat out of them. I was at a party and they were going insane. And I wanted the Suns to win for Chris Paul. Okay, that, that was one and two. Now the third one. This one might take a little longer. So I've been watching the trial of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard for, for the defamation trial. If you don't know what it's about, please look up it up online. Actually, I'll just explain it really fast. Well, I'll explain it really fast. So, for those that don't know, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp used to be married. And then they got a divorce. And then in 2018, Amber Heard wrote an op-ed. And she doesn't name Johnny Depp by name, but she says she's a survival survivor of domestic abuse and she says for the past two years which were the years she was in a relationship with Mr. Depp she survived horrendous physical and verbal abuse she doesn't name him by name but which led to Johnny losing Captain Jack Sparrow and then who did he play in whoever he played in Fantastic Beasts which was the equivalent to Lord Voldemort but I want to know the guy's name. So, my point in saying this is, what did he play? Garlet? 
Gerlid Grin. Is that who he played? Gerlid Grindelwald. So they got the guy that comes out in 007 Casino Royale. Lame. Not because I'm just saying it's lame that they had to replace him. But anyway, so, so today was cross examination. It was amazing. Because they. So Johnny Depp donated to Amber Heard's um, charities. And she said, So did you give the money? And she would go, She's like, I don't remember. And then she goes, No, not yet. I pledged to them. She's like, But you haven't done it. Like, Depp's lawyers are arguing with her. It was amazing. Bro, go watch it. Like, just Google Amber Heard cross examination. It was amazing. It was like, you know what it was like? Like, like when high school kids start fighting and like they're arguing over, like, for no reason and they're getting like, she was getting very defensive. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I was laughing. But uh, that wasn't that bad. How long is this intro? But I'm telling you guys, tomorrow's going to be interesting. But that's all I got for you guys. Remember, follow me on social media. Punch in the mouth official on Instagram and official underscore PITM on Twitter. All right, guys, deuces. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Peace. What's going on, everybody? It is hotter than it's hot, man. I hope everybody's keeping cool out there. I hope everybody's staying safe. Stay hydrated. We don't need people passing out because they're dehydrated and possibly getting heat stroke, you know. Make sure your kids are well hydrated. But welcome back to the Punch in the Mouth podcast. I'm Adrian. Let's talk some MMA. I'm going to start with the MVP Logan Storley card. There was some crazy finishes on that card. I want to start with the Paul Daly fight, which turned out to be Paul Daly's retirement fight. Paul Daly took on Wendell Giacomo. Giacomo was winning. He trains with the Pitbull brothers. He was winning. He was using his jiu-jitsu. I believe he's a brown belt. And he was winning. But in the third round, Paul Daly got, like, pissed off and just decided to nuke him because he, he took him down and Paul Daly was able to separate him, walked up to him and just started dropping bombs and separated Giacomo from his senses. What a crazy fight. But also, even before that, I said I was going to start with the Paul Daly fight. Paul Daly ends up knocking him out in London. Cap off an amazing career. I remember watching the first time Paul Daly fight. He fought Martin Campman and Paul Daly was a short notice replacement. Don't ask me who Paul Daly replaced. I'll look it up right now, but he replaced somebody. And I don't know if you guys remember the old 
UFC intros where like if they didn't have any highlights of the guy, they would just show him shadow boxing. That's what they showed up Paul Daly. That's how I knew he was. It was short notice. Um, let me see, Martin Catman. Was UFC one hundred three? Let me see. So Paul Daly replaced Mike Swick. If you guys don't know who Mike Quick Swick is, he now has, I believe, we called the the Mike Quick podcast or something like that. It's a great podcast. You should go check it out. So Paul Daly came in. He knocked out Martin Cameron. I was a fan, and then I believe Paul Daly fought Josh Koscheck. I don't know how many times Paul Daly fought in the UFC, but he's famous for fighting Josh Koscheck and then getting frustrated with Koscheck and trying to deck Koscheck after the fight, and that got got him immediately cut from the UFC. So Dustin Hansler lost to Paul Daly. And then at UFC 113 is where he fought Josh Koscheck and Josh Koscheck, he tried to deck Josh Koscheck after the fight. And the referee was Dan Mergliata and Dan Mergliata goes, Paul, Paul, are you kidding me? That was funny. <laughs> right here it says, in the first round, Koscheck appeared to simulate being hit with an illegal knee, which resulted in a point deduction for Daly. Koscheck went to control Daly with his wrestling for... Most of the fight and was declared the winner by unanimous decision. After the end of the third round, Daly approached Koscheck from behind and attempted to hit him in the face with the left hook. Referee Dan Mergliata pinned Daly against the fence to subdue him. In an interview at the conclusion of the event, UFC President Dana White announced that he was banishing Daly from the UFC for life. White said, There's no excuse for that. These guys are professional athletes. You don't ever hit a guy blatantly after the bell. Like that, whether you're frustrated or not, he added, I don't care if he fights in every show all over the world and becomes the best, and everybody thinks he's pound for pound best in the world. He will never fight in the UFC again, White said. White also said that when he spoke to Daily after the fight, he claimed he had not heard the bell. Come on, Paul, that, that's a blatant lie. I know we're celebrating Paul, but come on, Paul, come on. And I guarantee you, this day, Paul Daly does regret those actions that he took against Josh Koscheck. He might not like him. And it goes on to say Daly apologized for his actions after returning to the United Kingdom, saying that Koscheck trash talk pushed him over the edge, but that there's no excuse for that rash decision. He was suspended for 30 days by the Quebec Athletic Commission. Yeah, because I believe that fight took place in Canada. It did, because I think. That's the same day um, GSP fought Dan Hardy, right? Oh, no, it did take place in Canada, but it was the second fight between Machida and Shogun. Okay, anyway, this is to celebrate Paul Daly. I just went on a little tangent there. I do apologize. Paul Daly is the man. That was the first time I seen him. And then after that, he went to Bama, and he fought, he fought there. And then he went on to this other promotion called Shark Fight. Do you guys know who he fought there? I'll give you a hint. He's a megastar in the UFC today. But I'll tell you guys who it is. It was the BMF champ Jorge Masvidal. He fought him in shark fights. Of course, Jorge wasn't as big because at that point, I believe Jorge just took the fight. But Paul Daly ended up winning that fight. But again, Jorge hadn't... He wasn't big inside. Like He was still trying to fight a lightweight at that point. So 
I remember seeing the fight. Daily controlled him for the most part. Like, it was a crazy fight. And then after he beat Jorge, he went on and, and to sign with Strike Force, fighting at 170. And it says right here, he called out KJ Noons. Why would you call out KJ Noons if you fought at Welterweight and KJ was a lightweight? Is it because KJ had beat Nick Diaz in Hawaii over a cut? But then after that, he fought Nick Diaz in probably one of the best fights you'll ever see. If you've never seen Paul Daly versus Nick Diaz, go watch it. Nick Diaz threw himself into the fire. I already had loved Nick. Nick was already my favorite fighter. Like, I was calling for him to be in the UFC at that point because Nick Diaz is the man, bro. He's the fucking man. Anyway, I just love Nick Diaz. Anyway, that was a crazy fight. After that, I believe, I believe the Diaz... Daily fight, Nick was, I mean, not Nick, Dana was at. And, like, Dana kind of went back on his words, right? Because he said, if Paul doesn't want to deal with me, he could deal at that point with Lorenzo Fertitta or somebody else. Because the Fertitta still owned it. And the matchmakers. But this is right here. After a three-month hiatus, Daily was expected to face Evangelista Santos. At strike force, Fedor versus Henderson. But Santos withdrew due to a shoulder injury. Injury and was replaced by Tyrone Woodley. The winner was expected to fight for the vacant Strike Force Welterweight Championship against a fighter yet to be named. He lost the bout via unanimous decision with all the judges going 29 28 in favor of Woodley. Daily fought against Hazuko Mizaki at Strike Force Tape versus Rousey and lost via split decision. After some months, Daily requested to be released from his Strike Force contract, signing elective frequent fights. Is the reason for his wanting to leave. And because the UFC had just bought them. Oh, and they probably weren't going to sign him. No, I'm kidding. Maybe they would have. Maybe they would have. And Dana wouldn't have dealt with him. But congrats to Paul. Um, He did go on Ariel's show today and say that. If he were to come back, it would be to either fight Jorge or Nick. Because they're megastars and. That it'll be for financial reasons if he were to come back and fight. And those would be the only two guys he would want to fight. So Simon Bion defeats Luke Trainer. Bro, what is in the water and in the food in Cameroon? Can you tell me and bring me some to see if I get this knockout power like these kids? And it might be the labor they do, right? It might not even be like what they eat or it might be the labor they do. Because Francis, what was he? He would shovel, right? I don't know what this Simon Biong guy does, but Biong. That's a cool name. But he beat Luke Trainer, and Luke Trainer is no joke, man. That guy is for real. He really is. That fight was nuts. And Kana Watanabe beats Denise Keelholds via triangle. So I wouldn't be. Well, yeah, because. They're all fighting at 125. So with Alimale losing to Justine Kish. And then Juliana Velasquez losing to Liz Carmouche. I don't know if they'll give Juliana Velasquez an immediate rematch and have Hana Watanabe fight Denise Kiyoholt in the meantime. And Fabian Edwards destroyed Lyoto Machida and it was a competitive fight for as long as it lasted up until Fabian Edwards had enough and just decided that it was time to finish the fight and he finished the fight 
Logan Storley defeats Michael Venom Page in. Let me call it how it was a lackluster. Because we all knew that the way Logan Storley would win would be to take MVP down, right? But he was originally supposed to face Yamoslav Amosa, and that's how Yamosa fights. Come on, bro. You're telling me you didn't train wrestling knowing you were going to fight Amosov? And, like, that's the question, right? Did you train enough? Or is it that you feel your striking is too good you don't need to? Because, like I told somebody, his grappling's never going to get as good as his striking. I'm talking about MVP. But MVP could get good enough that he'll be the craziest fighter in the world. He can, his striking is so good that is he, if he's able to get his grappling defense a little bit better and do like basic transitions that he wasn't doing against Thorley. If he could get that down and like if he were to go away for like X amount of months and just train pure grappling, like his striking is so good, it, it's like second nature to him because I believe he's been striking since he was a little kid. His striking, if he were to get it, his wrestling defense, like just his ground defense up, like not even wrestling, like just his ground. He can be a better fighter than Anderson Silva and the UFC would love to have him, but because like there's such a different level to it, these wrestlers are gonna go all like, oh all you have to do and they're just taking down and that's it. And then the level like Amosov is high level. Usman, high level, because he says he wants to go to the UFC. You're gonna have to deal with Usman. You're gonna have to deal with Colby. You're gonna have to deal with Hamza. I don't know if he'll go on and fight Israel. Like, he'll probably, because he has a similar stature to Israel, he probably has better success in the middleweight division, to be honest. Because there are too many good wrestlers at welterweight at the moment. So we would have to wait and see what happens. But my um, advice for MVP is, Train nothing but wrestling. Like, don't book a fight for, like, three, four months and just keep training for wrestling, keep training for wrestling. What I didn't like is that he went on Ariel show today and said that Logan wasn't there to do damage. He was there to hold me down or something along those lines. Like, that's part of the game. If he feels that's where he could beat you, that's where he beat you. And he won the fight. And then Scott Coker goes on to say, I don't think, Logan won the fight because all he did was hold him in position. But what did MVP do? MVP wasn't necessarily hitting him. And Logan was holding him more to the ground than what MVP did damage. Like, don't get me wrong. MVP landed good hits. But Logan had more control time. So what can you do? You can't tell me one good hit from MVP is going to erase all the the grappling advantages Logan had over him, even though he was just holding him in place. If that's the case, Douglas Lima beat Amosov because all Amosov did was hold him in place. He didn't really do any damage, you know? I don't know how long it's going to take Amosov to get back into the cage because, like I said before, right now he's defending Ukraine. Let's all pray for everybody. On both sides, right? Like, I hope Russian people are okay. I hope these Ukrainians are okay. Like, there's no hate here. But let's see what happens. Once Amosov gets back, because now Thorley is the interim champion, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has to defend it before. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up stripping Amosov because he's going to be out for so long.
But what they should do is as soon as Amosov's ready to come back is give him the title shot right away because he never lost the belt. If they end up stripping him, you know. And then Bellator is not returning until June 24th. The main event will be Gegard Musasi versus Johnny Eblen. And then they're going to continue the Bantamweight Grand Prix with Magomed Magomedov versus Enrique Barzola. Leandro Higo will fight Danny Sabatillo. Sabatello, sorry. Brennan, the Irish hand grenade war will fight. Kiasus Kanye. I love when Brennan Ward fights. I love that guy. Remember Brennan Ward versus Paul Daly? That was a crazy fight. I'm definitely tuning in to watch this. And Kazingano will fight Pam Sorensen at featherweight. So I'm pretty sure if Kazingano wins, she will... He will be the next challenger for Chris Cyborg. But that's still June 24th. And then PFL is coming back around that same time. You know what I realized when I when I re-listened to the show after I finished recording is that I didn't talk about Jan Brakovic versus Alexander Rakic. I apologize for that. But the good thing is I got the results right here. Here we go. Jan Brakovic defeats Alexander Rakic TKO knee injury. That was a bad one. Ryan Spann beats Ian Kutislava submission guillotine. Kaylin Chukagian beats Amanda Hiba's decision split. Manuel Torres beats Frank Camacho TKO punches. Alan Nascimento beats Jake Hadley unanimous decision. And then Biani. Arojo, no, no, not Arojo, Araujo, Araujo beats Andrea Lee. That one was crazy, right? Because they, um, because of what Andrea Lee's, um, corner said. These dirty Brazilians, that's how they fight. And he goes, he didn't insult a whole country. Yeah, he did, bro. They're calling all of Brazil who inhabited dirty. They're calling Brazilian people dirty people. You gotta watch yourself, man. And then Andre Petrovsky beats Nick Maximov in a minute 16. Rihanna Genjirova beats Angela Hill. Michael Johnson beats Alan Patrick. This was a good card. Um, I want to talk about Manuel Torres. I didn't know who he was, but dude, I'm a fan because that guy is for real. And I'm also a fan of the Brazilian slash Spanish translator because that guy translates every word because usually the translators will get the gist of what they're saying and say it in their own words but this guy gets every word and he'll say it to you so that guy's awesome good job Portuguese slash Spanish translator UFC big fan um who else we got who else we got Kaylin Chukagin beats Amanda Hibas it was a crazy fight, but I saw Kalen. He was going. Oh, and I skipped Davy Grant versus Lewis Smoker. We'll get to that. That was a crazy fight. So Kalen wins. Now at this point, all Kalen is doing is just racking up wins so they can't deny deny her the next title shot after Valentina fights Alia Santos. The only way 
Kaylin, I believe, at this point gets denied a title shot as if by some miraculous reason Valentina Chichenko loses. Even though Talia Santos has has it all, I think it's too soon. Like when they wanted to push Francis to be champion, I believe it's too soon. I feel she'll be champion eventually, just and Part of that is also Valentina's beating everybody, so they're running out of challengers, so they gave it to Talia Santos. But we'll see. Davy Grant beats Louis Smoker. I don't really recognize Louis Smoker because at first he would fight at Flyweight and he would be bald. And now he like took a page out of Max's book and grew out his hair. I'm like, oh, that's him. But Davy Grant is the man, bro. He hurt him with the leg kicks and had no mercy on him once he, like, got him to the ground and just TKO punch. He TKO'd him. No, he knocked him out. He knocked him out. And then Ryan Spang guillotines Ian Kutislava. That's a crazy, that's a crazy win. And then the main event, Jan Brachowicz. Or Blachowicz. Defeats Alexander Rakage. What a crazy fight. It landed. It lasted. Landed. It lasted. I was going to say landed again. It lasted three rounds. I gave Alexander the first. No, no, no. I gave Jan the first round because I feel like he landed. That crazy combo he does to the body and then to the head. That's that's a crazy combo. That's something you see in video games. And then I gave Alexander the the second round because he took him down and controlled him. And then the third round, I felt like it was going in Jan's direction, and then the injury happened. One thing I do want to say, yes, it was an injury that happened, but you can't discredit Jan Brakovic because he was kicking the leg. Maybe Alexander said that that happened in training camp. So maybe he was using the other leg that Jan was kicking to help him not have to like cut or do certain movements on the leg so it would hold. But Jan did a good job chopping off the leg. And then that's when he probably had to do that movement, which resulted in the injury of the back. Because it was the back leg. It wasn't the leg Jan was constantly kicking. But Jan did what he had to do. Leg kicks were great. Now let's see what's next for these guys. Today's what? Today. Oh, where I closed it. Today's Tuesday. So let's see if the new rankings are up. No, not yet. Not yet. Or maybe since Jan won and Alexander lost, you know, Ryan Span is at number three. He might go up. Okay. So if I'm Jan, I'm waiting for Yuri and Glover to fight because Glover has come out and said, if I beat Yuri, I'll give you another title shot. Magomed Akilaev is already going to fight Anthony Smith. Iago Santos is going to fight Jamal Hill at some point in August. I believe Vulcan Uzdemir, he just got a fight announced, but was it against Paul Craig? Yeah, he's going to fight Vulcan on July 23rd in London. That's Paul Craig. And then I believe Nikita Krylov just got a fight announced too. He's going to fight Alexander Gustafsson on the, the same card. Now, this is interesting because 
Nikita Krilov is like number off the top of my head. He's number 11. So if Alex comes in here and wins, Alex is at the very least top 15. So here's what Ryan Spann should do. He should wait for Nikita Krilov versus Alexander Gustafsson. If Alex wins, you call out Alex because that dude's got name recognition. And depending how long Rackage is out, because most of these guys have fights already, I would call out, honestly, Dom Ray. Like, if it's not as bad as you think it is, but it looked pretty bad. I wonder how long he's going to be out for. If he's not out for too long and it's going to be back by the end of the year, because this I do know for a fact, fight Dominic Reyes, because I heard Dominic Reyes is going to want to fight by the end of the year. And Dominic Reyes, people say Dominic Reyes suck. Dominic Reyes does not suck. Look, look at his last two losses. They were against Jan Brakovic that he was on his way. I believe he was going to win this fight because he looked like the more, even though um, Rakic was moving well, I believe Jan was landing the cleaner hit and it was just going to get worse and worse because he started to turn the tide in the third round. My point is, Dominic Reyes is the man. Just because he lost to Jan Brakovic and Iri Prochatska does not take away how bad Dominic Reyes is. Because that just shows you how good Jan was to be champion and Iri's about to fight for the belt. If Iri goes in there and smokes Teixeira in the first or second round, people are going to realize how good Dominic Reyes is, man. So we'll see, man. But yeah, depending on Rakic's timetable, him and Reyes would be a good fight. I know he wants the rematch with Jan Brakovic, but we have to wait and see. And then next week, Holly Holm will fight Caitlin Vieira. Santiago Pontenillo will fight Michael Pieda. Those are good fights. Eric Anders will fight Park Jun Young. VM. These are some good fights coming up. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So, wait, let me check Kaylin's ranking. She was pretty high up there. So, Holly Holm is number two. Kaylin's number five. That's a great fight. So, let's see what happens here, man. I cannot, if, if Holly Holm wins, did she beat Juliana Payne? So Holly Holm beat Irene Aldana. She beat Raquel Pennington. And then she lost, she lost to Amanda Nunes. She beat. Megan Anderson, she lost to Chris Cyborg. She beat Betty Cohea. She lost to Valentina. Oh, okay, that's where I was getting confused. Like, what's going on here? Can I tell you guys something? This is just opinion. Like, honestly, Holly Holmes, on her record, she should be the featherweight champion because they didn't, um, I believe the rep didn't handle that fight with um with Durandamy well because they should have deducted two points from Durandamy for on multiple occasions landing illegal hits. But that's just my opinion. Okay, Holly Holm has never fought Juliana Pena, but now I wonder something else. Well, no, now they gave it to me. okay. Yeah, women's pound for pound is one. 
Valentina to Amanda. Read Juliana. Four rows, five Whaley. And honestly, the shadow on the, this list is Yoni Yongjingje because the only reason she's out is the same reason John Jones out. They haven't fought for so long that they take him out, which is understandable. But yeah, the shadow. And all of this is, is Yoni because Yoni is the only one that was competitive with Valentina in flyweight that I believe she's won two rounds against her at flyweight. I believe. But yeah, man, these are some crazy fights coming up. Let me check my notes to make sure I don't miss anything. Cain Velasquez was denied bail today. Let me go find Nolan King. So Nolan King, he works for MMA Junkie. He, he, I guess he was in the courtroom today, so let's see, let's see what. Defense attorney Mark Gregagos tells Judge Ilana Brown that Vasquez is willing to post one million bail partake in electronic monitoring and or have a supervisor with him at all times. Aaron French, a DA, argues money won't prevent the victims from danger. Says nothing is new here from the original request for bail, which was denied. And then the guy, the guy's stepdad of who Kane shot is was expected to speak via video call. Gregos responds by bringing up the accuser the accused of molestation brown quickly intervenes and says he's not overseeing that case the issue today is very narrow jeez man jeez and then it says the da argues against grego's proposed bell stipulations again looking at the things Velasquez is willing to do this is a different than murder case where the victim is still alive this is different than a murder case. The official request for Velasquez's defense summarized by Judge Brown says TBI and potential CTE caused Velasquez to potentially act impulsively. Eesh. Yeah, I don't know what TBI is. Oh, TBI is traumatic brain injury. Come on, Asia. I don't. I mean, come on, man. I know we have to see this um, down the middle, but that sounds like a weak argument. In my Judge Brown denies Cain Velasquez bail. The court is not ruled by community opinions at all. It is ruled by the law. So the problem here is Cain Velasquez is a professional fighter. If you don't know the case, Apparently, his kids would go to like a daycare in this apartment complex, and this guy lived there. And his defense is he was helping him zip up his pants because he had just used the restroom. So, this guy is being accused of inappropriately touching one of Kane's kids. And I guess they were going to go put an ankle monitor on him, but Kane wasn't having it. Allegedly, 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 right? And he went to find the guy, and he was going to. He took matters into his own hands. I'll just put it that way. We'll see, man. I do hope King does come out of this because it just sucks. But let's move on to the lighter subject. Panello versus Bibble. Okay, I have a 
disclaimer to make. And right now I remember this. I owe Wei Li Yang an apology. Or Yang Wei Li. I said she never defended the belt and she defended against Joanna. Wei Li, I do apologize for forgetting that. Because I also forgot to talk about Carnelo versus Bibble, so we'll talk about it right now. So Dimitri Bibble ended up beating Canelo two two weeks ago, right? And a lot of people say, well, Canelo did good, this and that. And this is me, because I'm a big Canelo fan myself, right? But this is me being honest. A lot of what I saw was Canelo hitting him in the arms, and it wasn't affecting Canelo. I mean, Bibble. And honestly, people are saying, well, yeah, he's bigger, this, this, and that. I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because Canelo said, I can beat him at this weight. As soon as you sign that contract that, well, he's bigger, this, this, and that, I don't care. Then don't agree to fight it that way. You're going to take away from Bibble what he did because it was a master class of what Bibble did. Don't, don't talk to me because you're just finding an excuse why your guy lost. So here we go. Canelo Alvarez may have seen his seemingly unstoppable momentum timed recently, but his rare career misstep may have inadvertently pumped some wind into the cells of another fight on the horizon. Alvarez lost only for the second time in his career last Saturday when he dropped a unanimous decision to 175 Russian titleist Dmitry Bibble in their 12-round light heavyweight title belt at T-Mobile Arena. In Las Vegas. All three scorecards read 115, 113 in favor of Bibble. Prior to the fight, Alvarez was expected to get past Bibble so that he could move forward with a trilogy with Gennady Golovkin in the fall. Those plans appear to be in jeopardy now. Yet according to Eddie Hearn, the promoter of the Alvarez, the promoter of Alvarez, a third match between Alvarez and Golovkin may have received a shot in the arm because of Alvarez's loss to Bibble at least from a perception standpoint. Alvarez considered a heavy favorite over Golovkin partly because Golovkin's age, 40, and the fact that Alvarez won the second fight. Their first meeting in 2017 ended in a controversial draw. Many observers believe Golovkin had deserved the nod on the scorecards. Alvarez has also enjoyed an air of invincibility in recent years. Fully unified the 168-pound division last year with an 11th-round knockout of Caleb Plant and has earned a title at 175 with an 11th-round knockout of Sergei Karatana. I was going to say Sergei Karatana, but that's the MMA guy. Sergei Kovalev, sorry. In 2019, Alvarez is still the undisputed champion at 168. Hearn believes that Alvarez is still a heavy favorite against Golovkin. The disparity is not as great as it once was, which would presumably strengthen the market, the marketing pitch of their potential fight. It's still a huge fight, Hearn said, of Canelo Golovkin 3 in an interview. Funny enough, the Golovkin fight becomes bigger now because people give Golovkin a chance of winning the fight. Before it was all like, oh, he's 39, he's 40, he's not going to win the fight. Now people look at the performance and say, okay. Maybe Golovkin's got more chance. So there's a massive fight as is the Bibble rematch. Golovkin has done his part in securing the rematch with Alvarez with a ninth round technical stoppage of Ryota 
Morata last month in their 12-round middleweight title unification bout in Tokyo. Golovkin weathered Morata's onslaught in the early rounds before turning up his offense in the second half of the bout. It's not clear who Golovkin will face next if Alvarez ends up deciding Bibble is the more attractive fight. Alvarez has the right to rematch with Bibble should he decide he wants to go down that path. While Alvarez's stock may have dropped, Hearn said the fight with Golovkin is more alluring than before. If he would have beat Dimitri Bibble, people would have said the Golovkin fight. He's a huge favorite now, Hearn said. Alvarez still the favorite. It's a huge fight. We'll see. So Eddie Hearn saying, look, we could do the Gennady Golovkin fight. It's even bigger now since Canelo lost. But Dimitri Bibble, I just believe he's on another level. I didn't know a lot about Dimitri Bibble, but that guy, the people that knew, Max Kellerman, <laughs> Mayweather knew because he bet the bank on Bibble. He knew. Like, the people in the know, they know, they knew, bro. They knew. I didn't know who Dimitri Bibble was, so I wanted Canelo to win, but if I would have known what he was capable of, I would have been like, e, that's a hard fight. But I honestly didn't know. We'll see what happens. I'm always watching when Canelo fights. I like watching that guy fight. Um, There's just one more thing I want to talk about. And then I'll let you guys out of here. So, I've noticed recently that Dana, he's not really too much at the events as he used to be. Meaning... Like, look, they have John Anik doing the, the pre-fight press conference now. That's two in a row that he's been doing. McMaynard usually does the face-offs unless it's a big pay-per-view fight. So I was wondering, I'm like, is Dana White slowly but surely not? Because he basically, well, I'll get into that. But is he slowly but surely moving away from the, the business? Like, is he trying to fade out? Because more recently, people have wondered, is Dana moving away from the business? And what people assume is going to be Hunter Campbell that takes over once Dana, like, goes away completely. I can I tell you guys? I don't know who, but on Hunter's behalf, I got an email from him one day because I emailed him. Like, yo, Hunter, is this, is this happening? And I got an email back saying, Please go through our PR team for future references. Thank you, Adrian. But yeah, that's my story about Hunter Cal. Hunter seems like a nice guy, but they, they got a business to run, man. Would it be Hunter? I don't know. I should do a video series on that, right? The videos are coming. I just got to work on the intro. Like, we'll work on it today, I promise. But like, the day Dana leaves is going to be weird, right? Because as much as people don't like Dana, He's been synonymous with the UFC since the inception beforehand, right? But, like, so if you don't know, he, him and the Fertitas ended up buying the UFC. They were losing money, and the Ultimate Fighter ultimately saved the business. It honestly saved the industry because without UFC, we don't get Strike Force. Without the UFC, we don't get Bellator. We might have still, we, we would have still had Dream and Pride, but it was really hard to get those over here. You would have to wake up at 3 a.m. because they were in Japan. But still, my point is the American market for, I mean, MMA, if the UFC would have went out of business, it wouldn't be what it is today. So 
we all had to, we all allowed to. Well, now they're called Paramount to Paramount. Before they were Spike TV. We owe a lot to them because they greened the Ultimate Fighter. We owe a lot to the Fertitas. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do this. So I am very grateful. Yes, I am. So the day Dana retires, even though he went on a podcast the other day and said, I'm never going to retire. He's doing less now. That I have noticed. Because I don't know if you guys saw the documentary or like the little piece series that they did on Fight Island when it was it became a thing. But Hunter Campbell was the one that convinced Dana to um get Jorge Masvidal to replace Gilbert Burns for the Usman fight. You know, there, there was a whole debacle there. I hope Dana keeps doing it as long as he could because, again, I feel the UFC would be kind of boring without Dana, especially with his social media rants. <laughs> that goes full nuclear and starts talking smack. Or, or like his Oscar De La Hoya. I hate this guy so much. He's a bad guy. Dana, I love you, but like your outbursts are the best. But that's all I got for you guys. Enjoy the fight. Um, remember to follow me on social media. Punch the mouth official on Instagram. Uh, official underscore PITM on Twitter. And then look out for Punch the Mouth TV. All right, guys. Later. Deuces.